welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. Awesome. You ready to go to the Bible this morning? Wonderful. Let's go to Ephesians. We're going to read from chapter 4. And uh, from I'm going to read from verse number 1 in a moment. Then I want to lay a bit of a foundation. I want to create a bit of a tension. I want to get you thinking about who you are in the context of the ecclesia, the church. Last week, um, who, who wasn't here last week? Just give me a wave. That's all right. No shame. If you weren't here last week, I do want to encourage you to go back and have a listen to last Sunday's message online. Um, it's a really, really important message to our community. And um, I want to encourage you to go back and have, an, have a listen to that. In a snapshot, in a nutshell, we spoke about how there has been a fight over generations for the idea of what Jesus said the church is. There's been a fight for centuries and for centuries and for centuries when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, I believe it is, on this rock, I will build my church, my ecclesia. The real translation uh, shouldn't be the word church, but rather it should be the word ecclesia, the called out ones. Well, that is the actual word, the word ecclesia. Tyndale, as we discovered last week, he actually translated that word in the first Bible into English. He translated that word as the word Christ's congregation. In doing so, he was putting the um, he was putting the full weight of who this body of believers is meant to be in the people, rather than in a hierarchical system. And that is you and I. You and I are the ecclesia. We also discovered that that word kyriakon doma, which is where we then get the word church from. The Germans, it was a, a German word that was pronounced kirk. And then over time, kirk throughout Europe started getting said as church. That's where we get the word church. That word kyriakon doma means Kyriakon simply means the Lord's. Doma means, is where we get our word dome from. It literally means house. And so this word Kyriakon Doma, which where we get our word church from, only came on into existence three in 300 AD. The word Ecclesia came on the scene 380 BC before Christ came on the scene, this word that we translate into church and it was a wrestle. People were killed over the interpretation of that word. Tyndale who refused because King James 
told him you need to translate it as the word church. He refused and as a result, he was burnt at the stake because he refused. He refused. He laid down his life over something, over a battle that we find ourselves trapped in still to this day. Hello. You know what I'm saying? And so we've got to take the weight of this moment seriously because when God moves and breathes on His church in a new way, like He, I believe we're starting to, 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 to just sense the breeze that's coming. What's gonna happen is God is not just gonna move in moments like this, but God is looking for an ecclesia that would represent the King and His authority in their spheres of influence. The only way that Hollywood is redeemed is when the ecclesia take the mantle of the King into that place and fill it with the light and the glory and the character of Jesus. The ecclesia, the called out ones. And so that is you and that is me. And this today's message, I wanna zoom in a little bit more on what we call fivefold, found in Ephesians chapter four. Um, we, ca- we are calling it these days less fivefold because it's a bit old school. We, we are referring to it as APEST, which is simply an acronym for apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Someone's reading the Bible. Thank you, Jesus. Sounds like Siri to me. That's good. It's good. Can we read Ephesians chapter four? Let's read from verse number one. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, just one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Verse seven, but to each one, everyone, someone say each one, that's everyone. But to each one, a grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fulfill, he might fill all things. Verse 11, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of all knowledge of the Son of God, to to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro 
carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint sorry, by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Amen, amen, amen. Thanks, Cal. You ready to do a bit of work today? Can we have a, have a bit more of a lesson? Is that all right? We're just going to talk. Let me read you these two quotes before we just zoom in a little bit on the APES, Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher. And let's just, let's just go to school and let's have some fun today. David Watson said this. He said, in the biblical sense, all Christians are priests and clergy. And this is a crucial starting point if we are to rediscover the true concept of ministry and leadership within the church. Howard Snyder wrote these words. He says, in the New Testament, there are functional distinctions between various kinds of ministries, but no hierarchical division between clergy and laity. Before addressing the specifics around the APEST, I wanna take a moment and consider the general view of how we approach church of the general view of how we've been so influenced without even realising regarding the Kyriakon Doma or the house of God or our version of what church is. We've been so influenced by it that inadvertently we have as a church Western culture, we have accidentally created a version of Christian that is not really a Christian at all. We have accidentally created a Christian or a person that attends a building for a few hours on a Sunday morning but and, and writes that off as their devotion to a living and a loving God as exclusively what their devotion to Jesus is all about. And we've been influenced and we have lost sight of our true calling and identity as the people of God, or as Jesus himself said it, certainly the apostles did in the uh, New Testament, we have lost sight of what it means to be the very body of Jesus in the world. And so as a result, we keep entertaining you on a Sunday morning, perpetuating over and over and over the same problem. And we preach messages that try to spur you on to being a better Sunday Christian. <laughs> Quiet in this Presbyterian church. Hey, that's what I like to hear. Come on. Felt something there. Hey, hey, ha, ha. Hey. We, we, um, we are at times self-sabotaging our own mission we are cutting ourselves off at the knees and we are wondering why we are not fruitful 
in certain areas of the church. And I know in, the, in certain areas of, of our expression as the body of Christ in the world. And I know, friend, don't, don't hear me wrong. Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this. But what I'm saying, trying to help you and I to see is that this version of Christianity, when all it is is this, is not changing the world in the way that we think it is. You're not ready for me this morning. I'm telling you right now. I'm just coming. I'm coming for you, okay? Because I want you to understand that the, we, we, this is one of the problems with, with media and social media and our access to all those sorts of things. This is a problem even in a good way when you're consuming even Christian media. Because it paints a picture in your mind of what you think success is for a Christian. And then all of a sudden, and we go in waves, don't we? We want to be like T.D. Jakes at one point in time. And then we want to be like, we want to be like Bethel. And we want to like, you know, I went through a stage where it's like, how can I say things in a way that Bill Johnson would say them? You know what I'm saying? And he's just obviously far smarter than I am. And then we go in this other wave and there's this, this, um, and we all, you know, it's all Jesus image or whatever the case might be or whoever the next person is that we're listening to. And I listen to me, I, every one of those examples I love and I listen to and I get ministry from. But when my worship starts sounding like them more than it does me, I'm not worshipping at all. I know for me, this is just my journey as a preacher when I listen to too much preaching and when the thoughts in my mind that, come, that, are, that are coming from the Bible sound like a preacher that I'm listening to, we're just getting deep today. I'm just being honest. I, when I can hear T.D. Jakes or when I can hear the... Oh, he would have said it like that. I'm, I'm, I'm consuming too much of man and not enough of the Spirit. And so the battle for the church is, is this idea that we've elevated different ministers and ministries and we've thought that is what it wants to be. But I want to tell you today that every church has a unique, every church, every church, every Christian, but every community of believers, let's just call it a church for, for the sake of it the, the, right now, I'll put money in the swear jar later on. But every church has a unique calling that God wants it to uh, an expression into the world. So we bless and we bless and we pray for every church community. We pray for uh, encompass up the road. We pray for every, we pray blessing upon them in Jesus' name. We pray for the uniting church. We pray for the Catholic church. We pray for the Anglican church. We pray because as the body of Christ, we believe that the Holy Spirit can get to any person at any moment if they've got an open heart and as long as long as we keep expecting the world to come to the church instead of the ecclesia going to the world, we're going to keep striving to have good things in here, but we will see no results in the world. We've got to keep, we've got to keep working, man. We really do. Listen to this, and I want to go at this a little bit because I think at times we've... Um, 
we've made the work of ministry, we've made the work of ministry for the person that uh, we've made, you've, you've all made it my job. Or anyone that's on staff, you've made it my job. You know what I'm saying? Like as a, as a society, as a culture, we've created layers. But in the church, they don't exist. I didn't say there wasn't leadership. There's absolutely leadership. There's governance. There's structure. But what we've done in our version of church, led and influenced by a religious spirit, which is all about power, control and fear, that's where that word Kyriakon Doma comes from. I'm just being honest. It wants you to lock into attendance. It wants you to lock into all these sorts of jobs. The meanwhile, your neighbour is going to hell and you have the miracle that they need inside of you. But you're too busy doing church stuff. <laughs> Build your church, Jesus. That's what we want. And so we've created these layers of separation where we've thought that the power and some reason the anointing is greater on a pastor or a minister. And friend, what I want to say to you is this. You were born with the Holy, you were born with a gifting. God, Jesus put that inside of you when he created you as you are a human being created in the image of God in his likeness. I want to say this because I want you to think a little bit more, but I do not believe that you can grow in your anointing. In the Old Testament, when David was anointed, there was a gap from when he was anointed by Samuel the prophet to when he actually sat on the throne of approximately 30 years. He didn't need to get re-anointed to, to be the king. He wasn't trying to conserve one patch of oil on his forehead for 30 years to show him that he's still anointed. But see, the, 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 the reality is you say, well, why do, why do some people move in the miraculous and, and power and the prophetic and hear God's voice more? It's, it's sometimes it's because, sometimes it's because of the revelation and the understanding that they have of the anointing that's inside of them. It's not that you grow in the anointing, it's that what's inside of you is revealed more as you lean in to who the person of Jesus is. Let's read this quote. This is by Eugene Peterson. I've got to work fast this morning. Within the Christian community, there are a few words that are more disabling than layperson and laity. The words convey the impression an impression that quickly solidifies into a lie that there are two level that there is a two level hierarchy among men and women who follow Jesus there are those who are trained sometimes referred to as the called the professionals who are paid to preach teach and provide guidance in the christian way occupying the upper level the lower level is made up of everyone else excuse me those whom God assigned jobs as storekeepers, lawyers, journalists, parents, and computer programmers. Another quote says this. Uh, this is uh, in the book, The Community of the King. And it says, The New Testament doctrine of ministry rests not on the clergy-laity distinction, but on the twin and complementary pillars of 
the priesthood of all believers and the gifts of the Spirit. Today, four centuries after the Reformation, the full implications of the Protestant affirmation have yet to be worked out. The clergy-laity dichotomy is a direct carryover from the pre-Reformation Roman Catholicism and a throwback to the Old Testament priesthood. It is one of the principal obstacles to the church effectively being God's agent of the kingdom today because it creates the false idea that only holy men, namely ordained ministers, are really qualified and responsible for leadership and significant ministry. In the New Testament, there are functional distinctions between various kinds of ministries, but no hierarchical division between clergy and laity. Friend, we need to, listen to me, write this down, we need to deprofessionalize ministry and give it back to the people of God. It doesn't belong here, it belongs in the body of Christ. And God, uh, in His absolute wisdom, unlocked this through the fivefold ministry. He unlocked this. And so this is what Ephesians 4 is all about. If you go to Ephesians chapter 1, which I'm just, you don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to quickly read it. Listen to who Ephesians is written to. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. This is who the book of Ephesians is written to. To the saints who are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. What am I trying to tell you today? I'm trying to help you to see that the book of Ephesians is not a leadership book. It's a body book. It's not a book just to an elite bunch of five people that carry five gifts, apostles, prophets. No, it's helping what Paul's trying to help the church in Ephesus understand is that you carry a unique God signature inside of you that is gonna be outworked in the Christian community and you are gonna help mature people into the fullness of Christ when you operate in that God DNA gifting that is inside of you. But I thought that was your job, Matt. I have a certain role within the church, absolutely, within the body of Christ, but so do you. And this is my point. We must deprofessionalize ministry and we must de- where, where do we need to deprofessionalize it first? In our minds. Because if we can't de- if we can't deconstruct that idea that ministry is something Matt does, it'll never be something that you do. Instead, we must understand that ministry is something that we do. And we do it to see Jesus' name glorified. Can we go a little bit deeper? Let's do this and then we'll wrap, wrap this up in, in about oh, probably two hours. <laughs> Some of you are laughing nervously. Let me read a little bit and we'll cut through this. When looking at anything theologically, when discerning, when learning, when trying to perceive whatever it must be, we must be committed in a corporate sense, but also in an individual sense to keep Jesus as the primary thing that we are looking at. Jesus is the fulcrum. He is the pivot point. 
He is the centre of it all. He is the most important part. We begin to stray in our belief in who He is and therefore who we are when we stop looking at Him. And so when we spend our lives looking at um, at what fruitfulness will might, might be for my life or me living out God's will for my life, when we keep looking at that through the filter of church, we lose the impact that God actually wants us to have on a daily basis. Because all of our spiritual effort and energy and vision and thinking and processing goes into how do we make those two, three, four hours on a Sunday morning better. That is not why Jesus ascended into heaven and before He did said, I'm gonna send you, I'm going, it's gonna be better for you when I go because I'm gonna, the Holy Spirit's gonna come and you are gonna then become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so you're looking, while you're looking for the next church service, the world are actually looking for the church to be made manifest as the sons of God with power in the world. And while you're looking for this building to be filled, I reckon maybe God's looking down on heaven from heaven on us saying, you've been filled. You've been filled. And Jesus, we must keep him in focus. Through uh, our culture, our mission, our purpose are all connected to Jesus himself and what he has completed. And so as we talk about apest or fivefold, as we talk about the family of God and what it means and what our part to play is in all this, I wanna lay a foundation on as we talk about APES over the next couple of weeks, and I wanna, I wanna call this JPEST, all right? So it's Jesus first, it's the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, JPEST, all right? Why? Because Jesus is the full representation of God in the world. Jesus shows us, He makes uh, and makes possible a new way to relate to God. Why J- Jesus? He claims us as His own through His sacrificial death. He establishes his unique role as mediator and high priest representing his people before the Father. Why Jesus? Because he's our Saviour and Lord. Why? Because he created a new humanity, the body of Christ in himself. Why Jesus? Because he set the absolute perfect standard for what the apest is to look like for the church. Why? Because he's, he's the founder and he's the finisher. He's the alpha and the omega. We've already read Ephesians chapter 4 about how, how God, Jesus himself, gave these gifts to the church. Jesus, I need you to understand, is the complete, perfect, what's the right word? Perfect picture of what a, an apostle is. He is the perfect and complete picture of what a prophet is. He is the perfect and complete picture of what an evangelist is. He's the perfect and complete picture of what a shepherd is. And he is the perfect and complete picture of what a teacher is. He's not, there's five of them divided by 100%, that's 20. He's not 20% prophet, 20% teacher. He's actually 100% perfect of each one of those callings. 
He is fully apostle. It's fascinating when you start reading the Bible with this in mind. So for example, when you start reading different illustrations about the Bible and you realise that Jesus had five modes of ministry, apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding or pastoral and teaching and you begin to read the stories that, of Jesus in the gospel and you begin to see that all five modes you can find in those teachings. For example, the first message that Jesus ever preached, what did he say? He said, repent for the, this was his first message. Excuse me. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, in that, do you know in that one statement, we see all of the fivefold in Jesus coming out. We see the apostle pioneering a new way and a new, uh, a new way that mankind can connect to God. That's what apostles do. They're pioneers. There's so much more, but that's one of the things they do. We see the prophet. We see the prophet coming and declaring. He sees the, what prophets do at time. At time, they, they see in heaven and they see the disconnect or the, the uh, where heaven is not on earth. And so he's like, this isn't good enough. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So his message is fully prophetic. It's evangelistic because he's reaching out there with the story of the kingdom of God. It's shepherding because his heart is so for the children of Israel, the Jewish people to be restored, come out of religion, come out of, out of, out of, out of law and come into grace. And it's teaching because he's teaching them a new way. When you go into other stories, we don't have time, but I want you to start looking for those five, uh, five expressions of Jesus. Let's put, put this down, Grace, if you wouldn't mind putting Apostle up on the screen, we'll read it. As a Messiah, Jesus himself was sent into the world as a chosen agent of God's eternal mission. He followed the path that the Father had set for him. He returned how God could be experienced and accessed. He extended the boundaries of God's kingdom on earth and initiated a worldwide movement that was to become known as Christianity. He is the great apostle. Prophet, Jesus was fiercely and uncompromisingly prophetic. Almost everything he said related to his covenantal faithfulness to God. He exposed the breakdown of a covenantal relationship with God's chosen people. He named injustice. He rallied against unrighteousness. He exposed the ungodly toxicity in misguided religion. He cast out demons, spoke truth to power, confronted evil and unrighteousness. He is God's perfect prophet. As the evangelist, Jesus proclaimed the good news to the poor, forgiveness for all sinners and salvation for the lost. Signs and wonders confirmed his witness. He opened the door to all those who, uh, sorry, he opened the door to all those previously excluded through religion and politics. The masses experienced him as genuine good news. Ultimately, he paid for this redemption with the sacrifices of, of his life. He is the greatest evangelist ever. Shepherd. He worked to include the previously excluded people in the covenant community and in doing so created a family open to all who love Jesus. Everything about him radiated concern for people and for the establishment of the human community and relationships. His healings and miracles demonstrated God's grace, mercy and concern. He is the perfect expression of a shepherd, the lover of his people. Last but not least, teacher, 
He taught people wherever and whenever he could. He chose, instructed and guided disciples, teaching them his way and the ways of God, the God of Israel. He actually recast the Torah by fulfilling it. His teachings were accessible to the simplest and the wisest alike. The medium of his life was its message, the truth and light. He is the greatest teacher. The greatest teacher. So as we look at Apest, we begin to discover that it is all about Jesus. Please do not get distracted as we talk about apostles and prophets and shepherds with anything else other than Jesus. That's why the foundation this morning is around JPEST, because it is all perfectly Him. So when we grow in our APES gifting and what we're hoping the outcome of this series is, is that you begin to go on a journey for yourself to discover what your APES gifting is. But I thought apostolic, I thought apostles were only people that had pioneered 14 churches. That's what religion told you. We're talking about an identity that God has placed in you. (laughs) But the pastor, isn't he the person that, well, if that may be true, but I want to ask you who's going to pastor your workplace? The truth is, is that we all have a bit of the apest, the five gifts inside of us, but we will certainly lean to to other ones more than the others. And so growing in our apest gifting is growing in the likeness of Jesus Don't get distracted by APES. It's just something we're using to help frame and bring a handle to. It is all about Him. Does that make sense? And because it's all about Him, it's all about you and I being His body in the world. I want to introduce you really quickly this, this, just this one idea as we push this thought just a little further down the road. I want to... um, uh, I want to. I want you to see how it's your, your, you as the body, me as the body, our responsibility together to lean into this out fivefold gifting. So as we view Jesus as the quintessential embodiment of the fivefold, he gives us a tangible example of how we're to live amongst each other in the community of God in the ecclesia. And it is an absolutely phenomenal gift. Let's not take this for granted. It is a phenomenal gift that we can look to Jesus, the perfect example and expression of these gifts. This is what Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 to 10 says in the message. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, we are free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. This is amazing. I love this verse. And not just barely free either. <laughs> Don't you love that? Not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in everything uh, in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything, even the deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. We skip down to verse 
chapter 4, 1 and then 7 to 8. Just one more time. Therefore I a prisoner for the Lord serving... Therefore I a prisoner... A prisoner for serving the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of your, say that again, calling. Live a life worthy of Matt's calling. No, live a life worthy of your calling. Whose calling is it? If it's your calling, then who is responsible for that calling? You are responsible for that calling. That's why Jesus, well, Paul was telling the church, you've got to make some decisions about living your life in alignment with your calling. The flesh will always want you to live your life, right? Your sinful nature will always want you to live your life in an, down here. But God's got a plan for you to live Worthy of the calling, right? However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scripture says he ascended to the heights. He led the crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. And this clearly means that Christ also descended to our world. In the same way, I'll put this up there, haven't I? In the same way, um, sorry, and the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fulfill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church and then it lists them. So one of the simple ways for us to remember this is as we've been going on like a broken record is a pest. For the ecclesia, for us to remember what the apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher is. I want to do this now. Everyone say mocks. Come on, can you help? Just help me. We're nearly done. I know it's say mocks. Mox. Say box. box. Say fox. <laughs> okay, you ready for this? This isn't like, you know, Sam I am. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, Alicia's just being my integrity officer there and making sure because I didn't come up with that. Um, someone else did. So thank you, dear. Um, it's a good point. Who did came up with it? You came up with it. Oh, you want the glory. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's out of a book called 5Q that's written by um, Alan Hirsch. And um, X in a whole lot of traditions is... Um, don't make this a big thing, but in a whole lot of traditions, going back to the first century church actually represents Christ, okay? We don't use it a lot. But um, let's put that next little slide up, please, if that's all right. Mox is the ministry of Christ, okay? I'm going to show you a diagram in a minute. Cal, if you jump up, it'll make the diagram more spiritual. <laughs> the ministry of Christ, Mox, is given to the body of Christ, box, resulting in the fullness of Christ. Mox, box, fox. <laughs> Sounds like a kindergarten lesson. The minister, can you put that next slide up please, Grace? Thanks. I want you to see this. So Apest is displayed in the ministry of Jesus. We see it completely displayed in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus gives that as a example to the body of Christ. 
okay? As a result of it being given to the body of Christ, the body of Christ then release it as an expression as we move forward, as we are matured in these fivefold giftings, that's why they came, we then are matured into the fullness of Christ. Oh, it's way more spiritual. But it all starts at Jesus. That's my point. My point that I want you to see today, if, if, if you were looking for the perfect illustration of, of what it is to be an apostle, look to Him. Don't look on their world. Don't look on the planet. Stop trying to be like another person. Stop being inspired by your, 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 in, your, in, your, your aspirations are too low if you're getting all your inspiration from men. Did you hear that? Your aspiration, be like, I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm just saying, do not limit yourself to what you see someone else doing. Our problem is, is, is that we've tried to mature the church. We've tried to create the fullness of Christ, but we've only looked at the body of Christ. We've looked here. We've looked online. We've looked, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know, I've been in lots of churches over the years. I remember when I was much younger, we were living in WA, our pastor would come back from whatever conference it was, whether it was Hillsong Conference, Shakers Conference, some other conference, didn't matter what the conference was. But we were kind of thinking to ourselves, what are they gonna come back with? How is, how is our job gonna change? <laughs> because they'd come back looking to try to mature and bring the church into the fullness of Christ. But all they've been doing is looking at the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not the example that we need to mature into. We need to mature into the person of Jesus. And so we need to have a church and we need to be Christians that are not getting our inspiration on this level alone. That's our problem. We keep babying you instead of maturing you. So if all your, can, can we just, can we have a family moment? Is that all right? If all your consumption of the Bible or the Word or me, is through sermons, you're not growing. You, you keep looking at the box. You need to go to Jesus. If your worship only looks like the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning, then you need to start looking more to Jesus. I'm not saying this in a legalistic way. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying any of those sorts of things. I'm wanting you to mature in your faith because where God really wants to use you is when you were the apest, His body, the fullness of Jesus in the world. And where He's sending you is into a pretty dark place to be pretty light. And if you and I are continually connected 
and only looking to box, we're never gonna, and not looking to box, <laughs> not looking to Jesus. Like the box is not the author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus is the author and the finisher of your faith. And the beauty about this is that you can be going through the toughest time in your life. But if you're connected to Him, connected to Jesus. Come on, let's stand. We're going to pray. Wonderful Jesus, we just bless You today. We thank You for Your Word. Thank You for who You are. Thank You for what You're doing. We bless You. We bless You. We bless You. We receive Your Word into our spirits today. Let it change our soul. Let it, let it transform us from the inside out. Our mind, our will, our emotions, Father, we yield them to You right now. Father, help us to see you in the midst like Jungli was saying this morning. Father, in the noise, in the confusion, in the busyness and all those sorts of things. Lord, help us to see you. Help us to see you, Father. Lord, help us to see, and as we go on this journey together as a church family, it's my prayer that you would just open our eyes. People discover their God purposed. People will discover who you've called them to be. We bless your wonderful name, Jesus. We bless your wonderful name, Jesus. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Your glory is here right now.